This is exactly right. My favorite murder. The mini-sode. Oh my goodness. We haven't done one of these in so long, it feels like. Wait, do I say the mini-sode singular or plural? The mini-sode singular. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it again. <laughs> no. I want to okay. be I want to be real. <laughs> Let's be authentic. We're filming this for the fan cult. Oh yeah. Hi, fan cult. I'm gonna have my head turn this way the whole time because I have the largest or here, I'll just hide it with the microphone. The biggest zit. Feature it as exclusive content for the fan cult only. <laughs> <gasps> you should see the zit, you guys. Wow. <laughs> Literally can't see anything. I know. I put so much makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Minisodes. We read you your stories. You want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll do it. Okay. Let's see. Okay. It says hometown saved by a piano. Hi, Karen and Georgia and all the fuzzy kids. <clears throat> <laughs> Y'all are fabulous. I love the show. It helps make my workdays breeze by. Okay, enough of the niceties. Let's get to the murder. There weren't that many niceties. Mm-mm, you could have had a couple more in there. It for literally sure. was half a sentence. The following is a story told to me by my father, now deceased, about his mother, my grandmother. <laughs> and then in parentheses, it says, even more deceased. <laughs> My grandmother, Mary Ann's family was based in Texarkana, Arkansas, mm. and were considered, you know, I paused on that AR just now, and were considered to be one of the wealthier society families in town. Thanks to this wealth and privilege, all of the kids were expected to pursue skills and hobbies similar to those of upper class Victorian children, reading Latin, needlepoint, musicianship, etc. cetera. Oh my God, I would have failed out of that family. Also, it's like the pain... Of each one. Yeah. I mean, I guess skills wise, later on, there's skills there. Sure. Ish. Soccer's a skill, too, you know? That's true. So, a shorthand, right. we just start naming skills. Marianne <laughs> was assigned the piano, but luckily grew to love and even develop a passion for the instrument. By the time she was 16, she was an accomplished pianist in both classical and contemporary styles, and several notable music conservatories had expressed interest in her joining their programs including offering full-ride scholarships. Sadly, her mother forbade her from pursuing Mm -hmm. piano as a career because blah, blah, undignified, unbecoming, blah. (laughs) To get back at her mother, Marianne decided to get a degree in microbiology, the (laughs) ultimate revenge. (laughs) Yes. Because she knew her mother wouldn't have any idea what it was. That's hilarious. And then it just says, anyway, period. And then it's a new paragraph. In April of 1946, the Sammy K Orchestra came through Texarkana on a DFW tour. Unfortunately, their resident pianist had fallen ill, and Sammy K himself reached out to the local piano instructor to see if there were any decent pianists who might sit in for a night. The instructor enthusiastically recommended 16-year-old Marianne and immediately made arrangements for her to fill the seat. Wow. I know, right? So cool. 
That night on the local DFW stage, my grandmother joined the Sammy K Orchestra and played exceptionally with the band for over seven hours. And then there's an exclamation point in parentheses, right? As those in attendance danced the night away. Oh my God. She played so well, in fact, that Sammy even asked if she'd like to join the rest of the tour. She declined as she was still in high school and knew her parents would not approve. God damn it. Mm. Five ways to Sunday. Okay. Mm. At around 1.30 a.m. in the morning, as things were finally winding down, Marianne's best friend, Betty Jo, who was at the dance with her boyfriend, Paul, offered Marianne a ride home. She politely refused because Sammy had asked her to play through to the end of the event at 2 a.m., a mere 30 minutes later. Apparently unwilling to wait, Betty Jo and Paul left. Marianne finished the gig and was given a ride home on the band's tour bus. And this is where the whole charming story takes a horrible turn. Oh, no. The following morning, the small town awoke to the shocking news that the mutilated bodies of Betty Jo (gasps) Booker and Paul Martin had been found off of North Park Road, a well-known lover's lane. Oh, no. I thought it was going to be a car accident. Mm -mm. It was determined that the couple had been the latest victims of the Phantom Slayer, a serial (gasps) killer who had been active in the area since February of that year in a spree now known famously as the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, briefly covered covered in MFM Minisode 6. You did that one really early on. I don't know, but... uh, Oh, my God. For years, my grandmother was racked with guilt, wondering if she had only accepted the ride home, would her friends have not decided to go to Lover's Lane? Ultimately, she surmised that her friends would probably have gone to North Park Road after they dropped her off and would have met their ends that night, no matter what. Also, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened, happened. Yeah. God, it's so horrible. We all do that to ourselves. Okay. Stay sexy, play the piano, and catch a ride home with the band. Jen Tacoma, Washington. God. Holy shit. That was really kind of a perfect. Yeah, because it was this beautiful, awesome, fun story. And then it had an aspect of true crime in it. And a near miss. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Great job, Jen. Thank you so much. That was incredible. That was a good one. Okay. This is actually from an Instagram friend of mine named Joshua Parker, who sent this to me. Joshua is an actor, a dancer. He's hilarious on Instagram. It just starts, hello to everyone and the animals. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I always wanted to take dance classes. Being a chubby, closeted gay boy in Birmingham, Alabama, I was too scared of what people would think. But at the age of 17, I finally joined a dance studio. Mm. Because I wasn't experienced, I got put in classes with mostly younger girls around 13 or 14 years old. Most of them didn't know how to react to a tall, chubby, somewhat effeminate teenage boy, and neither did I, but we made the most (laughs) of it and definitely became a family. One girl I will always remember for having a warm smile, always laughing at myself, deprecating, and at times insecure jokes, she was always positive and friendly. Being it's a dance class, there isn't a lot of time to talk, and me being the worst at remembering names, I couldn't tell you what hers was, but I never forgot that face. Cut to five years later, 2005, I had moved to Los Angeles to pursue an acting slash dance career. One day, while on the elliptical at Gold's Gym in Hollywood, portable CD player in hand, it says too poor for a trendy iPod, that friendly face that I'll never forget flashes across the screen. Mm-mm. I finally found out that her name is Natalie Holloway. Oh, no. And she had gone missing on her senior trip in Aruba. 
They searched for her for years, and after all the cards fell, it was alleged that Jordan Vandersloot drugged and murdered her. He was never convicted of her murder, but later did end up in jail for someone else's murder. And this is edit. I first wrote this during the pandemic and decided to resubmit because finally, after 18 years, Jordan Vandersloot confessed. Yeah. This dirtbag finally gave a confession, but only after he was convicted of extortion. Mm-hmm. This piece of shit. He was trying to get money out of Natalie's mom in exchange for the details of her murder. He may not be paying for her murder, but hopefully this stunt will keep him behind bars for life. My heart aches for Natalie's mother and family, but I hope this brings some closure to them and the community. I'm a huge fan of what you guys do. The way you bring light into this dark world will never be forgotten. Telling the stories of victims really helps us all. It feels like a safe space to talk about the things that are impossible to talk about. Mm. Thank you. Stay sexy. And I say this with my entire heart and soul. Don't get murdered. Joshua Parker. And he's at Joshua C. Parker on Instagram. Joshua, first of all, another perfect hometown. Right. Classic hometown and like a hometown in your heart. Yeah. Which are... Not super common, but like kind of beautiful because that's how they all really are for people that follow true crime. But I have to say the silver lining of that story is that the chubby little boy that was so embarrassed and all that stuff is like, now I'm in L.A. to be a dancer and an actor. Isn't that amazing? And obviously doing well at it. Yeah. Like beautiful. Nice one. That's a good one, huh? Yeah, we were messaging the day that happened. And I was like, send me your hometown. And he's like, well, I've sent it before. And I'm like, send it again. Yeah. (laughs) Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. 
Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. I'm not going to read you the subject line because I think it gives too much away, but it does say lighthearted in parentheses. And then in parentheses, it says 3.5 minute read. Love it. I love those. <laughs> Perfect. Because it is a tiny bit long, but it's, I love it. Okay. Hello, you self-aware, kind, beautiful, hilarious ladies. <laughs> okay. I am writing to you for the millionth time and praying to the late Carl Sagan, the man I choose to pray to, that this is the one that finally makes the cut. Oh, welcome. Hey, Carl Sagan. Here you are. <laughs> Hey, Carl Sagan. My father used to force us to watch Cosmos, which was Carl Sagan's mm. show on PBS when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And it made me so mad that I started doing an impression of Carl Sagan. Oh, that's where your comedy chops started. It's where it all began. It's billions and billions of light years ago. <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. Our story starts in 2006. I am the ripe age of eight. We are in the upstairs of the fire station in my itty bitty less than 2000 people hometown in Seacoast, New Hampshire. One of the firefighters is strangely good at special effects makeup and is making a group of about 10 children look close to death. The fire department in my town was volunteer. So my dad joined out of the kindness of his heart when my older brother, sister and I were small children. As I used to so obnoxiously say, my dad is an engineer by day and a superhero by night. Home gym. Mm. Part of a volunteer fire department means volunteer victims for trainings that they would do most Thursdays. And the children of the firefighters were usually the ones to do it. Most trainings were the usual talk through type. But the training this story is about was the real deal. And the only firefighter in the know about what was to be expected was the one doing our makeup. And then in parentheses, it says, let's call her Jen. So the situation, a crashed Halloween hayride filled with badly injured children and teens. My role, little girl with gash through her head and anxiously searching for her sister. So they like reenact horrible accidents. With makeup and everything. Yeah. So basically you get used to the shock of coming upon a scene like that and then being a, a first responder. After our makeup was done and we were all told our roles, we headed out to a local locals cornfield. It was a cold October night and the air was a little hazy around the tall grass setting the scene. There was a real hayride and tractor flipped onto their side to make it look like a crash. Some kids were told to stay near the hayride. Some of us were to be lost and injured amongst the grass. Mm. After asking Jen many last minute, very specific questions about how she wanted me to play the character, she responded in an annoyed tone. Aaron, just act hurt and be looking around for your sister. (laughs) (laughs) What's my motivation? Yeah, exactly. She's trusting me with creative liberty, I thought, and I was going to make her (laughs) proud. And then in bold, it says, action. Jen made the call over the radio to make it seem like a real emergency. The fire trucks and ambulances started to pull in a few minutes later with their sirens blaring. I took a deep breath, channeled my character, and the tears started pouring down my face. Wow. (laughs) 
where's my sister? I kept asking the same question like a broken record player, but I cycled through fear, anxiety, anger, sadness throughout my performance. The whole training lasted about half an hour. I was giving it my all the whole time. I sobbed into a firefighter's arms. I yelled at some of the EMTs to leave me and find my sister. I even added in a couple kicks and shoves to give it a little extra pizzazz. Wow. There's no way a real kid who had head trauma and couldn't find her sister would be acting rationally, right? I was my character. My character was me. My grand finale was finally finding my sister emerging from the tall grass and me sprinting to her and loudly sobbing into her shoulder. (laughs) I love this child. The funniest part about this whole thing is that I was truly the only person that was taking it seriously. Not one other kid was crying or even acting upset. I later found out that my brother and sister were holding in laughs the entire time seeing how ridiculous I was being. (laughs) As a kid, I was so authentic and unapologetically myself. And I miss that. Mm. That being said... I was so damn embarrassing. (laughs) This person is telling my life story right now. That's amazing. You only realize after you do it that no one else is going to do it that way, where you're like, I I thought we all understood what acting was. But you're also like, I'm the only one. Like, I'm the best one, clearly. Yes. Like, they suck. You're going to give it and you're going to beat everybody. But then you realize no one's running this race with you. Right. There's no awards for this. No one has the interest of doing it. When we got back to the fire station to do a debrief on how it went, which the kids were not supposed to be a part of, but my dad was my ride home, I made sure to share my thoughts about how some of the other actors could have been more dedicated to their roles. Oh, my God. The firefighters, while confused by my unwavering commitment to the bit, were overall appreciative that I gave them a more realistic experience. I even made some of them tear up in the moment because they felt like I was a real victim. And not to brag, but they did say I deserved an Oscar for Best Performance. (laughs) SDGM and always commit to the bit, Aaron, she, her. Amen. So good. Amen. Great job, Aaron. I could definitely see myself doing something like that. Like the youngest. So you like want the most attention out of everyone. Yes, you need it. This is how my parents started dating a celebrity meet cute story. Oh, dear Karen and Georgia. A while back, you were discussing meet cutes as well as celebrity encounters, and it took me until about three months later to put together that I have a great meet cute story with a real celebrity involved. Let me set the stage. It's the Four Seasons Hotel in Montreal in the 1980s. Mm. Amazing. There's a cloud of smoke from people still lighting up cigarettes indoors. My mom is the hotel restaurant manager with earrings so big and heavy that to this day, her earlobes have slits (laughs) rather than holes in them. (laughs) That's my grandmother, too. Yeah. And everyone is speaking French. My mom in her early 20s and truly a stunning beauty is also part of Montreal high society and getting a lot of attention from people around her. Even the hotel manager is flirting and has a big crush on her. Coming into the picture now is Christopher Reeve, a.k.a. Superman at the height of his fame. Wow. God, he was so handsome. He was the Henry Cavill of my childhood. I don't know what that means. Oh, yeah. The new Superman. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I mean, clearly, but he's like... Has a lot of humility. He is Superman. He's Superman. Yeah. He's like shy and goofy, but he's also like, no, you're not goofy. You're like a linebacker. Yeah. And gorgeous. That jaw. Yeah. Okay. I do not know the details exactly, but I'm assuming he went to have dinner and saw my mom working, was completely stunned by her beauty and asked her to go out on the spot. 
And they did. They went to a hockey game and were photographed by paparazzi. And it says there is a grainy photo in a drawer somewhere, but lol, if you think my mom would let me share it. (laughs) A big problem in this short-lived relationship, however, is that my mom barely spoke English at the time. (laughs) They're in Montreal. Classic Montreal of like, kiss, kiss, (laughs) yay. Can you imagine watching an ice hockey match with Superman and barely being able to communicate? (laughs) Well, that's what happened. Long story short, I don't think they ever saw each other again. But that's not the real story here. This is the story of my parents. And said, did you think my dad was Christopher Reeve? (laughs) No, no. After my mom got back from her big date with a celebrity and literally making the newspapers, the flirty hotel manager finally decided enough was enough and asked her out. That's right. The hotel manager is my dad. Smiley face. They were married within a year and have been together since. My dad, who for my dad, who for story writing purposes took a back seat here, is the real Superman in this story, and I'm lucky to have two incredible parents who love each other. Hmm. Thanks for reading, and I love the podcast. Best, Andrea. Andrea, did Andrea grow up like Heloise in a hotel where her parents were like the manager and the restaurant manager? Oh my god! And you have like the keys to every hotel, every room. You just like go have fun. You're like, I will run through this lobby. No one can keep me from doing it. <laughs> that was awesome. I do love a cele- any kind of a celebrity encounter. Like, yeah. it truly, if you passed somebody and one minor thing happened, we want to hear about it. Totally, totally. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. My last one is, I'm not going to read you the subject line. It says, hello, MFM crew and assorted fur babies. They're trying to make me mad. First, I'd like to say thank you for all you do. Listening has helped me stay motivated to follow my dream of eventually working in forensic science. Yes. So cool. Yes. Wow. Moving on to the story, my uncle and his previous girlfriend of many years were so in love And he even took in her two daughters as his own. Unfortunately, she was battling with mental health 
and she took her own life sometime before I was born. Mm. He has never been the same since, but he continued to be present in her daughter's lives, making sure to be there for everything. Fast forward to about a year ago, he had just moved into a gorgeous house in a tiny town, lots of cemeteries from the 1800s. Unfortunately, the house being old and all required a lot of maintenance. So one day he had to drive down to meet someone about the electrical. While he was driving, his house caught fire and completely burned to the ground. Everything inside was gone. The only thing completely untouched and recovered was a box full of his girlfriend's things, pictures, jewelry, all the good memories. As if that wasn't enough, almost a year later, while doing the demolition, the demo team spotted another box and, yep, it was more of her things. Holy shit. The only explanation any of us can think of is that she knew how much it meant to him and kept it safe. Oh, oh. Love you all. Stay sexy. And remember that not all spirits are bad. Oh, that was a lovely. Oh, my God. I mean, so sad. So hard and difficult and then beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Really beautiful. Okay, my last one. Oh, conveniently, because Dottie's right here, is called Talk to the Cats. Last December, I moved to a small rural town in Mexico with my partner with our two dogs and two cats. We arrived around 4 a.m. and in the excitement and chaos of being greeted by family and friends waiting for us, one of my cats, Felix, got loose and ran off into the woods. As soon as the sun came up, I went looking for him and spent the next several days calling to him with treats, posting in local chat groups and going door to door to my new neighbors asking if they'd seen my large black and white tuxedo cat that I knew was terrified of strangers. Everyone told me not to worry. Cats always find their way back. But I was worried since he ran away before even entering the new yard or house where we'd be living. Sorry, Dottie. <laughs> Dottie looked straight down the barrel of the camera. And it, <laughs> oh, she almost looked like a newscaster for one second. <laughs> it was like, hello. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> At six o'clock. She's distracting tonight. for sure. <laughs> sorry. No, no, no. No, it's perfect. It's themed. Okay. A few days later, my parents' daughter approached me quite seriously, saying she knew exactly what I needed to do to find my cat. I was excited. I figured she knew of a good Facebook group or animal shelter to check. But no, she told me I need to talk to all the cats in the area. (laughs) I need to tell them that I'm looking for him, that we miss him, and that he should come home. I didn't think much of this advice until Christmas Eve, which was spent celebrating in the next town over, about five kilometers away. Oh! After several glasses of wine, something came over me, and I went out in the street and began pleading to all the cats I could see to please help me find dear feet. A little over a week later, we had just gotten back in town after spending New Year's away and stopped by the same house we'd spent Christmas Eve. I had my little dog with me and decided to take it for a quick walk around the block since he'd been in the car for a while. I'd only been walking him a few feet, gently talking to him out loud when I heard a cat scream meowing from the neighboring yard. Oh, yay. My first thought was, man, I really miss my cat. I wonder what that one is yelling about. The meowing continued, so out of curiosity, I followed the meows along the dark hedges that lined the wrought iron fence until, in the moonlight, where the hedges cleared, I found myself face to face with Felix. Having many years ago dealt with a mental health crisis that caused hallucinations, I did wonder for a moment if that was happening again. Mm. But no, I was indeed looking at my cat. 
I immediately went and picked him up. He was a little thinner. He'd always been a big boy, but seemed absolutely fine. Have you seen that one meme where it's two fat black and white cats that are almost identical? And someone said, I found my cat last week. And then my cat came home this week. <laughs> yes. And, it's the same and they, literally, it's the same cat. It's the same cat. Yeah. It totally reminds me of that. In shock, I walked back to the house where everyone was, my dog trailing behind me as I had momentarily forgotten about him, and just <laughs> stood there holding the cat until they noticed me and all looked as surprised as I felt. Hmm. It seemed like a miracle to find him that far from where I'd lost him. To this day, we don't really know how he got there. A neighbor later told us that they'd seen that cat in the area for at least a week digging in the trash. We don't have trash collection services in our town, and we often send our trash to this house for pickup. This is also a house we visit often. Our car is often parked outside, and the car is the one we traveled in with the cat when moving from the U.S. to Mexico. In our circle, there is a divide between those who think he simply walked from our town to the other and those who think he may have jumped on a truck, even the trash truck. Oh, Regardless, this is a story that I've told over and over and continues to mystify all how the cat found me after nearly three weeks in a foreign place he had never been. Wow. Stay sexy. And if you lose your cat, tell the other cats in the area to help. That rules. The idea of that as a solution is hilarious. It makes sense to me. Yeah, because cats are always like gossiping and talking yeah. and, you know. They're like crows. How like if one crow is like that guy is a bad guy, then like all the crows in the neighborhood know. Yeah. I heard, but maybe this is just for dogs. Put your shoes outside so they can smell oh. and find the scent. I heard that about the cat's litter box. Oh. You put their litter box outside and they know the smell. <laughs> they never come back. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, clean my fucking litter box. They're like, disgusting. That was quite a batch. Is that it? Yeah. That yeah. was a good one. You guys, please write your story. Write it again. Send it again if you haven't been picked. Again, huge Gmail inbox. Give us another chance. We care. We do. My favorite murder at Gmail. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Good Yeah. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Alejandra Keck. Our editor is Aristotle Acevedo. This episode was mixed by Liana Squalacci. Email your hometowns to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and on Twitter at myfavemurder. Goodbye. Follow My Favorite Murder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase My Favorite Murder merch.